You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. In the 1400s, influencers couldn't simply scout a location, arrange the perfect lighting, and pull out their camera phone to snap dozens of pictures testing different angles to find the perfect shot demonstrating how much better their curated life is than the lived experience of the rest of us plebeians. No, back then, if someone wanted a picture to go along with their smug sense of superiority, they needed to hire a painter. And in 1434... Jan van Eyck, or Jan van Eyck, I don't know, van Eyck, painted one of the greatest testaments to the enduring power of carefully constructing a casually posed portrait. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium, and for this week's Friday mini-episode, I am actually revisiting the Arnolfini portrait. I got some feedback commenting on how I struggled with the pronunciation the first time around. Long-time listeners, I'm sure, are well aware I struggle with pronunciation of everybody's names pretty much. And the first time I did this, I kept saying Arnofoli for some reason. So today I'm going to try again and hopefully do a little bit better as I talk about the Arnolfini portrait. Some argue it is the first genre painting, a scene of everyday life, but it is far from everyday. The scene is captured in absolutely stunning detail. The portrait of the couple features details that signify their wealth and status, from their fine clothing to the large brass chandelier over their heads, which would have been very expensive in that time. Little things viewers today might take as commonplace, like the oranges, Those were also displays of wealth, as they were hard to come by and, consequently, very expensive. Arnolfini was a wealthy merchant. Uh, I have read somewhere that some people say he might have been dealing with oranges. I've also mostly read that he was trading fabrics. 
Either way, dude had some money, and as we look at the details, a lot of this work seems to be flaunting that wealth. Now, to capture all those details, Van Eyck must have been working with a magnifying glass and like a single bristled brush. He captured the most minute details, including highlights on every individual amber bead hanging next to the mirror. The mirror in the background is also a detail that at first glance might appear totally normal, but on closer examination and considering the time in which it was created, that mirror is a demonstration of remarkable technical ability, capturing like really complex composition. The mirror is circular with a convex lens. It bends outward, creating a sort of fisheye effect. Van Eyck not only captured his subjects in front of him, he also captured their reflection of the rest of the room and their backs in the mirror, and he also captured the distortions on the curved surface. The man in the portrait, Giovanni di Nicoleo di Arnolfini, has one hand up as though he's waving to the viewer or someone entering the room from where the viewer would be standing. In the mirror, we get a glimpse of two people entering the room. Many speculate that one of those people was Van Eyck himself, as he was a friend of Arnolfini. Of course, a darker interpretation of the gesture we see here is that Arnolfini has his hand up, raised almost like he's putting a prayer or a blessing towards the wife. People have also noticed that Arnolfini seems to be wearing black, and the... There's a candle lit above Arnolfini's head, but not above his wife's. Looking at the time period and what we know of Arnolfini, his second wife passed away in childbirth. And some people say this is sort of a loving tribute to his deceased wife. Of course, as with any work this age, there's a lot of debate about the meaning and symbolism. A common interpretation is that it's a sort of wedding scene. The man is taking the hand of his wife. She's in the interior space near the bed, reinforcing the gender roles of the time, with the woman's place being taken care of the home, while he stands by the open window, symbolizing his role in the outside world. Also, just as a side note, one little thing that we can tell from looking out the window, we see the cherry tree is in bloom, which tells us that this portrait was painted in springtime. The mirror in the background is said to represent the eye of God witnessing their union, and the frame of the circular mirror has a dozen small scenes of the Passion of Christ. The small dog could be seen as a symbol of fidelity, or some say it's simply another signifier of wealth, as many wealthy women were given lapdogs for companions. The green dress symbolizes hope. Many speculate the hope of becoming a mother, and while many viewers today believe the woman in the portrait appears to be pregnant, as we all know, you should never assume a woman is pregnant. Scholars say this was actually a fashionable look for the day. Clothing was very expensive. Their clothing was particularly expensive with fur lining and stuff like that. The idea back then was the more clothing, the more wealthy one must be. So no matter how ridiculous the silhouette may appear to contemporary audiences, in the 15th century, 
Those strange bulges of fabric showed that this was a person who could afford to dress themselves. She basically had tons of fabric, and if you look, it's not actually a belly protruding, it's folded up fabric going over her belly. It was conspicuous consumption, proving yet again that for as long as we have had a means to record what people looked like, those people have worked to dress themselves up and surround themselves with the markers of their high status. While some see modern mass media as producing a more vain and shallow culture, I would argue Van Eyck shows us people have always been feeding their egos and flaunting their privilege with material goods. At least now, most people know better than to use animal fur to do it. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. I want to say welcome to all the new listeners who have been finding this show recently, and a big thank you to all the longtime listeners who have helped the show grow over this time. Whether you have told a friend or a family member about this podcast, or left a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, all of that stuff helps. All of that stuff helps other people discover the show, and honestly, it helps me feel a little bit better about the time and effort that I'm putting into this research and recording process, just to know that somebody's out there listening and all caps correcting me for my mispronunciation of the name of somebody who died like 600 years ago. I would, though, like to take a moment to ask all of you to do one other thing. I'd really like to experiment a little bit with this new audio medium of podcasts. Ideally, what I'd like to build is more than just an audience. I'd like to build a community. I want to turn this more into sort of a dialogue or an open an open platform for other people to share their ideas and make connections as well. So if you have a fun fact you'd like to share, you can share it with me on social media at who arted podcast you can email your fun facts to me who arted podcast at gmail.com you can send me a recording of yourself sharing a fun fact that i could play in a future episode or feel free to just type out a message sharing your thoughts and connections and if you do that whether through email or on the message boards of a platform like good pods you just might hear me reading it off on a future episode So please share those thoughts and connections so we can keep the conversation going. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.